Thank you. I invite you as you're able to stand for the reading of the Gospel. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 1 beginning with verse 9. There are three short scenes that we find here. The scene of Jesus being baptized, the scene of Him going into the wilderness, into the wilderness to be tempted, and then afterwards the scene of His initial preaching. So hear the word of the Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him, and a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. O Lord, we are grateful for the chance to be together today in a warm place on a cold day, and we are grateful for the temperatures that will rise in the afternoon so that sidewalks and driveways may begin to thaw. We are grateful for your word which you spoke that has come down to us over almost 2,000 years at this point as you entered into human history and you became man so that we men and women may rise to the life that you share in the life of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so today, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you alone, O Lord, are our rock and our mighty Redeemer. And in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Today we're going to talk about spiritual geography, the wilderness. The wilderness is a place, it's somewhere you can go, you can set out driving and arrive there. But the wilderness can also be a season, it can also be a metaphor of a time when things are not as you wish they would be, when what you expected to happen doesn't happen, when life takes a turn that is difficult, harsh, and it's unclear what the future might hold. In the wilderness, in this spiritual geography, whether it is a physical place, now I had a physical place that I would go uh, in northern Kentucky in the years that I spent there, St. Anne's Convent. 
Some of you may recognize that as the mental institution in Rain Man. They actually went to St. Anne's Convent. They built a lake out front, and then the nuns at the convent said, well, we can't afford to keep that up, and so they drained it. But St. Anne's is where Rain Man was filmed, at least those institutional scenes. It is an institutional kind of place. Aside from the extraordinary chapel which makes you believe you're in some sort of a chapel in Europe somewhere, everything else is plain and simple and you are given a room that has enough space for you to hang your clothing. It has a desk unadorned with anything but paper and pen. It has a small single light bulb over the desk and an iron bed. An iron bed fitted for five-foot-tall nuns about a hundred years ago. It's not a twin bed. Not even close to half of a twin bed. It's a place where you go when you want to get to the wilderness, when you want to hear from God, when you want to speak to God uninterrupted. That's maybe wilderness's place. Wilderness as season is more difficult to define. It may be a time when something happened to you that you didn't see coming. It may be a time when you went to work and thought everything was fine, but there was a pink slip waiting for you. It may be a time when you were planning for retirement, even had a retirement home purchased somewhere, and suddenly you got news that your health wasn't quite as healthy as you believed that it was. It may be a time when someone you love became incredibly ill and required constant care. The wilderness can be a place, but it can also be a time. Whether it's a place or a time, we are called to enter into the wilderness with a clear identity of who we are as the people of God. Now there are all kinds of ways that we can figure out what our identity is. There's an entire, there's an entire branch of thought, of philosophy now, of politics, identity politics. And every idea that we have, every action that we take are supposedly to be based on some feature of our identity but if we are people of the scriptures if we are a biblical people then our identity is one that is rooted clearly and confidently in God we are God's people now we're not God's only people when we said the Lord's Prayer earlier today we said our Father our Father our is a plural that includes you and me and includes people in Haiti and Brazil and Honduras. Our Father means that we have an identity that is tied up inseparably with the identities of everyone else who is in our family. And by grace, we have been invited to become a part of the family of God. And we have a clear identity rooted in God as we enter into the wilderness. The first scene of our gospel reading today is the scene of Jesus' baptism. And after Jesus' baptism, a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you, I am well pleased. You. 
In Mark's understanding of the baptism of Jesus, Jesus receives a confirmation of his identity. God the Father speaks to God the Son, You, you are my Son, the Beloved. Now, in the other Gospels, we have, we have the other people who are around Jesus learning who he is. The voice from heaven says, This is my Son the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Our identity is known to ourselves. God gives us our identity, but our identity is also known by those around us. Who we are is known by who we obey. Who we are is known by what we do and how we live in this world. You are my son. This is my son. There is this identity of who we are that God gives us as people who are a part of God's family. In the first centuries of the church, those who were going through catechesis would sometimes take three years before they would be admitted to Holy Communion, before they would be baptized and come into the church. Most churches are, are, are so desperate now for increase in membership that someone comes up and says, I want to join the church. Yay, let's do it right here, right now. Only several weeks later do we hear the person say, you know that dragon that talked to me the other day, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute now. There was a reason in the early church that year after year, week after week, people were reminded of who they were. And when they finally got through this three-year period of teaching, when they had finally had their sponsors, who not once but twice, had to testify that the person they were sponsoring behaved like a Christian lived the life of a Christian. At the end, when they were baptized, these are the words that were used. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. You are my child, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Our identity is clearly founded and is clearly rooted in God. And if we define our identity in any other way as primary, then we have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten that we are children of God. Marian Brandt was a famous opera star. She received a notice from the post office in New York City that a registered letter was waiting for her. And so she went to the post office to pick it up. The official said, yeah, we've got your letter, but you need documentation to prove who you are. I don't have any documentation, she said. The person at the post office said, well, you need something. You need a passport. You need a bank book. You need a letter addressed to you. You need somebody who will come in and acknowledge who you are. She said, I don't have any of these things. 
And so the person at the postal desk said, I'm sorry, madam, but the rules are very strict. You have to bring somebody to identify you. At which point, indignant, she said, you will not give me that letter. I will prove to you who I am. And she proceeded with a full voice to sing from her principal aria. And as her glorious voice echoed through these vaulted corridors of the post office, people came running from every corner to find out what in the world was happening. And finally, the agitated guy at the desk handed her her letter and said, Here is your letter, but for God's sake, be quiet. Our identity can be proven by who we are. Our identity can be proven by who we are rooted in, by what we are rooted in. And one of the themes of Lent is the theme of death. I tell my friends, Christian and non-Christians, Ash Wednesday and Lent are the time when Christians look death in the face. We begin this season with Ash Wednesday. Some of you had seen the weather forecast and took your ashes last Sunday. Good for you. Others, others of you made the sign of the cross on, on your forehead without the ashes. But John and I were, were doing Ash Wednesday service in my dining room with a dog barking in the background. And there, the end of the service, these words that remind us that we as Christians can look death squarely in the face. Dust you are, to dust you shall return. Repent and believe the Gospel. We face judgment. Lent is a time that we remember that we face judgment. And on that day, the things that matter to us today won't matter nearly so much. The kind of car that we drove, the kind of clothes that we wore, the size of the check that we might write, the neighborhood in which we lived, the number of degrees on the wall behind our desk. We remember that there will come a point when what matters is that we have a clear identity rooted in God and with that identity rooted in God we are a part of God's family and nothing, nothing can take that away from us. Like I said, there's a geography to this idea of the wilderness and it's a, it's a geography of transformation. It, it's a place where something happens to us. If I ask somebody the question, tell me about the place where you have had the best time in your life, usually the description will look something like this, you know, a, a resort somewhere far away. That's the best time I ever had. It was so much fun. And you can go back and you can tell all these stories about things that happened. But let me switch that question a little bit and nuance it. If I ask the question, tell me about the place or the season in your life when you grew the most, when you learned the most, the picture won't be like this. The picture will be 
more like this, the Mount of Temptation, the wilderness, the wilderness. The temptation in Mark, Mark doesn't like to use words that he doesn't have to use, but the temptation in Mark spans two verses and two verses only. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. 40 days, Tempted by Satan. Angels waiting. The uh, Greek word, eremos, the wilderness. The wilderness is the place where God made the people of Israel prepared to have their own land, to be their own people. It's the place where God took those who had endured centuries of slavery in Egypt and prepared them to be a people significant in history. Prepared them to be the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. The wilderness is the place where so many amazing transformations take place. Listen, friends, the wilderness is not always a place. That course, the wilderness course, if you were a college student and you you, you had all these fun classes you could take, a class in the wilderness and what it means to be tempted by Satan and what it means to, to suddenly go into a place where there are both wild beasts and angels, well, it's not necessarily a course that I would sign up for, but... The wilderness is a place where God creates a people. He takes the slaves and gives them a law. John, the one who baptizes Jesus, is described as the voice crying out in the wilderness. God's word is heard. And Jesus tempted in the wilderness. And understand, the temptations of Jesus versus the temptations of the people of Israel wandering from Egypt to the promised land, they failed and they fell again and again and again. And in every way that they failed, Jesus succeeded. In every way they had proven to be unfaithful, Jesus proved to be faithful. And Jesus did not succumb to the wiles of the devil. But he knew the ministering even out in the wilderness of the ministering angels. Sometimes Jesus retreats into the wilderness for refreshment and rejuvenation. John and I were talking about one of the least appreciated verses in the whole Bible. In the morning while it was still very dark, Jesus got out and went to a wilderness place. The word is the same. And there he prayed. Jesus understands that sometimes we have to get away from civilization. Sometimes we have to get away from those things that would distract us. And sometimes we need to go to our wilderness places. 
We don't want to. They're not always fun, but here's what they are. They're outside of our normal spaces. They're outside of our normal rhythms. And so it's someplace that we go. For me in northern Kentucky, it was, it was St. Anne's where I could go to get to an abnormal space that would give me the simplicity to love God. In the seasons of our life, it is sometimes those moments, those weeks, those months, when we have to recognize the presence of God, even when God's presence is not immediately known. The wilderness is a frightening place. I mean, think of what's there. There's the wild beasts that are out there in the wilderness. Satan, the tempter, the enemy of humanity, the one who would destroy your soul is out in the wilderness. He's there. But so is God. Some people go there And they come out transformed all right, but not transformed in a godly way. Some people enter the wilderness and come out bitter, angry. Some people come out worse versions of themselves instead of better. But those who answer the question, where have you been most transformed? What has been the thing that has most brought growth in your Christian life? The wilderness might not be where we want to be. But it's often where God gives us strength. Strength stronger than we knew we could have. Strength knowing that we are not alone. Knowing that when we pray our Father, there is a family the world over that is pulling for us. And it is a place of transformation. And if we let it be the place of transformation into a deeper level of holiness and godliness, it will become for us all that it can become. Jesus says in John 10.10, one of my favorite verses, the thief, Satan, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. And Jesus gives a clear call. These three scenes, the first is the scene of his baptism, the second the scene of his temptation, the third is the scene of Jesus's clear call. After John was arrested and Jesus came to Galilee, he was proclaiming the good news and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I don't know where your wilderness is. Maybe you had it a decade ago and are still trying to work through the ramifications of what it means and maybe you came out bitter and maybe you had broken relationships and suddenly you realize there's something you should have learned that you didn't learn in that wilderness turn it into a lesson from God 
Some of you know very well what it means to have a life turned upside down. Some of you know very well what it means to know pain when you thought you would know joy. Some of you understand what it means to go into the wilderness. Hear the good news. God is with you in the wilderness. He has never for a moment left you or forsaken you or abandoned you. God is with you. It's not always a place we'd sign up to go. But it may be the place that is most transformative for us as we yield ourselves to God. In this Lent, will you find the place of wilderness? And despite the frightening beings you find there, will you know the love and lessons of God? They're there. And He will minister to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.